So an ankle sprain is a tear of the ligaments traditionally mm -hmm. on the outside of the ankle. Yep. If, if a young athlete tore their ACL, the main ligament in the knee, no one would be talking about non-operative treatment. Yeah. They would get it fixed. Yeah. But we're still sort of the technology and the understanding of ankle sprains still suggests that we should be treating them conservatively first. But if you think about it sort of philosophically, we're setting these patients up for failure in the future. Surgical Goals, the podcast that brings you a unique insight into the world of sport and shines a light on many of the injuries picked up along the way from some of the best sports stars and medical minds throughout their careers and of course the recoveries. My name is Jennifer Reith and with the help of orthopaedic surgeon Professor Gordon Mackay we're going to delve into that fascinating side of the sporting world. This week we are delighted to be joined by Clinical Assistant Professor of Orthopaedic Surgery in New York Medical College. It's James McWilliam. James, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Brilliant to have you. Tell me, what was it that took you into the world of orthopedic surgery? In medicine, there's a lot of things that we treat for maintenance, sort of. You know, people have chronic diseases and they don't see the effects of our treatment because it's sort of maintenance. Sure. In mm -hmm. orthopedics, we actually fix things. So someone's mm -hmm. broken and we mm -hmm. fixed it and they see a real difference in their lives before the treatment and after the treatment. So yeah. I really like that part. Good job satisfaction, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's rewarding. And it's, it's, it's a kind of, it strikes me as a kind of New York mentality that see the problem, fix the problem. But you didn't really start your studies in New York, Jim. Is that correct? That's where you're practicing just now. But yeah. where, did you, where, where did you start your studies? So I went to college. So we yeah. call it college in yeah, yeah. New Orleans, Louisiana. Fantastic. At Loyal University. Then I went to medical school. Yeah at Georgetown University. Then I did a residency in orthopedic surgery uh -huh. at a medical college of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. Uh -huh. Then I was active duty as an Air Force surgeon for four Fan years. Fantastic. Wow. And after Fantastic. that, I did a fellowship in foot and ankle surgery at the American Sports Medicine Institute in Birmingham. Wow. wow. I mean, you moved around a <laughs> yeah. lot. I think it's good and challenging because you've got to keep moving to move, to do new things. Yeah. Has, has that been a big part of the career that you've actually enjoyed? The, the variety and the people and the, the moving oh, the around? the variety, definitely. The moving around, Tough. to a certain extent, I got to see a lot of parts of the country that I would have never seen or yeah. never lived in. And it sort of reinforced where I wanted to live. So yeah. it was great experience. Handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New York's a good home. It's a cool state to be in. New York, I've only been there really for a short visit, but I imagine it's entirely different to be, be based in New York and, and New York practice. In fact, the scale of New York and the size of it. I mean, how big is New York now, Jim, is population-wise? So huge. the New York City yeah. proper is probably eight and a half million. Really? The <laughs> metro area is probably 25 million. 25 where million. Where it just extends. Five, um, five times Scotland's population yes. almost. So yeah. you go from the center of Midtown and yeah. you can go for 40 miles and not really understand that you've left a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not an urban area, but yeah, uh, definitely a metropolitan yeah, area yeah. until you get to any type of country. Yeah, That is incredible, folk, isn't yeah, it? You I can't know. quite folk, fathom that. Folk here listening into this will be puzzling over this. We'll be sitting in the car or whatever thinking, really? You know, it's, it's a staggering scale. I was going to say, in terms of obviously that vast number of people within the area that are potentially going to be patients of yours, what are the most common injuries that come through your door? What do you end up having to deal with most the regularly? The most common is the one that requires the least care. Oh, really? All right. Okay. 
That's it's, quite good news, no? <laughs> my specialty is foot and ankle surgery, sure. so yeah, that's yeah. all I see. Okay. okay. So, and it's a common sports injury too, is yeah. plantar fasciitis. Really? Ah. Yes. So, it's, I think of it as the low back pain of the foot. Sure. So, everybody gets low back pain, correct? That's a good analogy yes. because yeah. exactly, and it's severe, recurring. Yes. Everybody <laughs> gets treat. plantar fasciitis. I'm, mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee you've had it at one point in your life, and maybe it only bothered you for a day and then it went away. Okay. Yep. It almost mm -hmm. always goes away. Mm -hmm. And then there's certain strategies that we can apply that'll make it go away faster. Okay. Mm -hmm. So say I see five new patients a week with plantar fasciitis. Yeah. And that's probably a conservative estimate. I yeah. might do surgery for that one time a year because okay. no one needs it. Yeah. So what actually is it then? What is going wrong when you've got plantar fasciitis? It's related to a tight heel cord or Achilles tendon. Okay. So the energy that's absorbed by that heel cord isn't absorbed as efficiently yeah. in a, when you have a tight Achilles tendon. Yep. And so that energy is transferred to the plantar fascia, which isn't really developed or structured to absorb that energy. So mm -hmm. it becomes sort of degenerative and then it starts to hurt. Yeah. So mm. I was going to say, if people haven't had it or they don't think they've had it, what what are the symptoms? Heel pain at the bottom of the heel. Okay. You know, the fat part you of the heel. stood in a stone or something? Yeah. That so, yeah and some people, yeah, so I, I was, um, <laughs> I did my fellowship in Alabama yeah. and there's a certain... People would come in and say, oh, my heel's hoiting. I got a stone <laughs> bruise. <laughs> a wee bit of Scottish can go in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scottish so, yeah. room, you know, in there. Yeah, so Alabama, a lot of Alabama. A lot of Scots in Alabama. Okay. Amazing. And they, they, they feel like they stepped on a stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it's plantar fascia. pain with the first step in the morning. Yeah. You get out of bed, you can barely walk. It's and quite disabling, you, isn't it? Patients are yep. really, really affected by something which seems so modest, but it's as you walk during the, uh -huh. in the morning, it gets a little bit better. Yep. And then you're like, okay, this is better. But then during the day, it comes back. Mm. And it's a very classic presentation. Yep. Wow. So what can you do then? Rest? Stretch your, stretch your Achilles tendon and stretch your plantar fascia. Right. You have to do it like six times a day because with every step, we shorten the Achilles tendon and we shorten the plantar fascia. So there's nothing we do during the day that will automatically stretch it. Mm -hmm. So stretch it six times a day. And then there's various devices online that you can do to augment yeah. the stretch. Okay. I think everyone's now listening to you. I know I am moving my ankle and trying to like move my foot around, give it a wee bit of a stretch. I didn't realize it shortens every time you take a step yeah. as well. That uh -huh. makes sense, I suppose. But outside of that, do you see a lot of different sporting injuries coming into to yeah. yourself then? Probably the most common sports injury that I see would be like an ankle sprain. Sure. Yeah. Can you do much for a sprain? I suppose it depends how severe it is. You can do a lot for an ankle sprain acutely. Okay. Uh, meeting Gordon and talking to Gordon for the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah, we've been working closely getting, together. Um, using the internal brace, I've found I've become much more aggressive at treating ankle sprains early. So traditionally, it's something yeah. you treat with a brace and physical therapy. And that works for most people. Uh -huh. And if you look at the medical establishment, there's virtually no role, quote, for acute surgery after an ankle sprain. But I think we're finding that there's more of an yeah. a role in acute ankle sprains, especially in very highly functioning athletes or individuals. Yeah, recurrent situations as well. Yeah, when definitely recurrent situations. Yeah. So traditionally, it's a brace and physical therapy yeah. and restore balance and strength. And that works pretty well. But if you look at the long-term outcome of just conservative treatment for most ankle sprains, patients are surprisingly disabled 10 years out because they still have a very loose ankle. So an ankle sprain is a tear of the ligaments, traditionally mm -hmm. on the outside of the ankle. Yep. If, if a young athlete tore their ACL, the main ligament in the knee, no one would be talking about non-operative treatment. Yeah. They would get it fixed. 
but we're still sort of the technology and the understanding of ankle sprains still suggests that we should be treating them conservatively first. But if you think about it sort of philosophically, we're setting these patients up for failure in the future because they're going to sprain their ankle again, and then they're going to have debilitating pain. So there's some thought that maybe we should be treating these more aggressively. Get early. Yeah. I, I, I think that's definitely impacting on practice, though, Jim, as well, is, is that surgery was often deferred because it was such an event. It was elaborate surgery and slow mm-hmm. recovery. So as you were touching on there, we've worked closely together in developing applications for the internal brace and ability to stabilize and accelerate recovery. But you've taken it even further because of your orthoscopic expertise, and you've actually been able to internally brace ankles with keyhole surgery without the need for a real surgical incision. And you've still been able to get that stability and allow patients to recover their function, whether it's to drive or get back to work relatively quickly. Is that correct? Yeah. So with uh, arthroscopic ACL surgery, arthroscopic knee ligament surgery is is sort of the standard. But the arthroscopic ankle surgery, it's not as commonly done. No, it's It's not not difficult. If you had the not everyone would agree because you're quite expertise. Yeah, yeah, he's very, he's very, he's very good at it. So but Jim, it's evolving, perhaps. That what way. is arthroscopic, yeah. though, for anyone? Who's so, so an arthroscope is a, a small, almost like a looks the shape of a pen. Okay. So for the ankle, usually I'll use a 2.7 millimeter diameter scope. It's attached at the end. There's a light source and there's a cord, and the cord goes to a TV, so I can look at the ankle on TV, okay, and then do the ligament repair, one incision through the arthroscope, one incision for the repair. I mean, that is incredible though, isn't it? The evolution, I suppose, of treatment when you're at a stage you can do something like that is incredible. Have you noticed a big change over your career in the the level of treatment that you can offer, the recovery times that are now there for surgeries like that? Oh, so yeah, traditionally when I trained, Someone would go in a cast for six weeks, be non-weight-bearing for six weeks, go into a boot weight-bearing for the next six weeks. Today, if I did your ligament surgery, not me, but if someone applied this technology, they'd go in a soft dressing and a shoe. They'd be encouraged to weight-bear as soon as any anesthetic wore off, which might be 36 hours after surgery. I'd see them a week after surgery. I'd offer them a boot if their symptoms required it. Sure. I'd usually encourage them to go into a functional brace and start physical therapy. Wow. And and that's kind of uncommon. It's fairly aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. But I think our experience would support that. Yeah. yeah. It's that I movement, think, isn't it? We spoke again, about it. Stability, Gordon, comfort, early movement are absolutely it. crucial. And, and Jim and I have also did a lot of research together on the Achilles repair and trying to approach okay. things differently there. I think you did more of the hard work than I did, Jim, actually. So <laughs> I'll, I'll let you talk Take about credit, this. Yeah. But, but for the same reason, patients benefited from a changed protocol after surgery? Absolutely, 100%. Think of Gordon as the the ideas man, the theory behind all of this. Very good. And I'm just logistics. No, no, I told. No, I told. No, I told. This is Listen, collaboration. It couldn't happen without either of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's that, I suppose, hunger to continue to improve and do something a wee bit different. And what has your experience been in the medical world of trying to to start change, do things a bit differently? Has it been an easy process to do to encourage colleagues as well, or has there been a wee bit of resistance? I think there? to do it for me has been very easy. To yeah. encourage certain colleagues, it's been easy, but the vast majority of them are very skeptical. And that's probably appropriate because sure. they want the best for their patients and Always. new ideas need a even if they're obvious, yeah. yeah. They need a track record. And I think that's where Gordon's been on the forefront where he's really been able to convince a lot of people that these new ideas, which shouldn't be new, they should be Mm. normal ideas that we all have, 
are appropriate and uh, should be applied to certain orthopedic I, I agree. And I think, I think the great frustration in our practice is we see patients benefiting from changes in care because we had similar practices before. Yeah. And, and you see these changes and it's so apparent to you. But, you know, as Jim's saying, rightly, other specialists are, are conservative and want to be convinced. So they will often wait until you've got that evidence and you've published those outcomes Absolutely. before they would make any change. But in the intervening period, you're looking at it saying it is transformed care. And I think the Achilles is the strongest tendon in the body. So when it ruptures, it's quite a dramatic event and it's quite a biologically quite an insult. Yeah. And we had to find a way that maybe respected the biology yeah. during the healing process. Yeah. And up to that point, maybe all the approaches hadn't done that. So it, the Achilles is really interesting because it is. It's the strongest yeah. tendon in the body. Yep. It delivers a tremendous amount of force. You know, we can walk without an Achilles, but there's no propulsive motion. There's yep. no powerful start. Yep. And in the last maybe 15 years, there's been a big push in the literature yep. suggesting that Achilles tendon repairs do no better than conservatively or non-operatively treated Achilles tendons, right. which makes no sense. Yeah. But people, and this is particularly in the UK, not to mm -hmm. besmirch the UK, and yeah. Canada, because <laughs> yeah. that's where a lot of this yeah, literature yeah. has come from. So you talk to people about this new Achilles tendon repair technique, and the answer I get is, well, you don't need to repair it anyway. Um, and how can you leave an athlete with a yeah. like 30% weaker leg? I know. It I makes know. no sense. So rather than sort of implicate the injury as the problem, I think we should indict the old repair techniques. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. coming up with a new repair that's not going to fail. Yeah. And that's what I think we're approaching. Yeah. It's not yeah, perfect, but we're getting very good at repairing yeah. an Achilles tendon so that the repair actually works. Yeah. yeah. And if we look at the results of our repair versus non-operative treatment, I think we're going to see a dramatic difference. So yeah. historically, what? would you not have repaired it? You just let itself not, repair? Not historically, but there's a well, lot still of... still now, sorry. In the last 15 years, there's a lot of pushback yeah. about fixing these things. Part of it is people really do want to treat their patients the right way. Of course. And this evidence that's comparing old surgical techniques to yeah. non-operative treatment shows that the difference may not be worth it. Sure. But I think, okay, so let's just leave it at that. Let's just say, okay, <laughs> you, you cut your Achilles tendon. We're not smart enough to figure out yeah. something. We're not figuring out, we can't figure out a way to fix this so that it actually works. And yeah. I, Hopefully, we're working towards Yeah, that. I think we're getting closer because we can restore the length, which is really crucial to function. Okay. And we can tiptoe in and tiptoe out with a kind of internal bracing system that sets the length yeah. and is strong enough for early movement. So, we're hoping that this will continue to transform patients' recovery. Yeah. And it's certainly been our experience so yeah. far. Yeah, because I've got a friend who, she did rupture her Achilles mm -hmm. and she was immobile for so long and it mm. took her so much mm. time to get back. And to, mm. I don't know if she got surgery mm. or not. It really ruined months and of her life. That she immobility, go to work. regardless yeah. of whether it yeah. was mm. from non-operative treatment or surgical care, but that immobility has been shown to adversely affect the outcome. So yeah. we want to fix it and we want to mobilize it. And yeah. We want to load the tendon yeah. and we want it moving as yeah. soon as possible. Start mm. to get back yeah. to doing its proper yeah. work. I mean, in terms of Achilles, yeah. though, I think it is an interesting one. And I think when people listen in, they they want to know, is there anything you can do? It's, it's, we've spoken about it in most of the podcasts we've talked to. How do you avoid these kind of injuries? What would your best advice be if you can try and make that not happen? We don't want to have to repair it. If that. it's not inevitable, <laughs> then the best thing I think is Achilles tendon flexibility. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of foot and ankle surgeons would suggest that Achilles tendon tightness 
is the basis for a tremendous percentage of foot and ankle problems. Okay. So Achilles tendon flexibility. Yeah. We probably okay. don't approve. Yeah. So for folk listening, that's a top tip. Yoga. Yoga. Yeah, your general <laughs> flexibility there in your ankle would make a, make a huge difference. I've just found my YouTube yoga. I've and, been doing YouTube. And, it definitely helps. Uh, your downward yeah, dog that's yeah, stretching yeah, out the leg. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think if you can transform small aspects of patient care, it has a, a lasting benefit. And if Jim doesn't mind me being personal for a moment and just mentioning that Jim tragically lost his son, who was an excellent ice hockey player, I think it's true to say. And his passion was sport. Of so course. as a tribute to his memory, we would quite like this to be regarded as the Hank procedure. So we're, we're, we're doing our best to gradually increase that awareness because sometimes these labels stick because yeah. medical terms are terrible, aren't they? Mid-substance Achilles speed bridge repair is, is a, what is that? Whereas I think the idea of the Hank repair transforming patients experience after Achilles injury is something that might stick, although it may take time, Jim, before it does stick. But, you know, I, 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 I hope you don't mind me mentioning that, but no. I, I would like that to be the case it's because probably we're putting the, out into the world. The yeah. nicest thing that anybody's ever done. And um, no. it's harder for me to say that because no. I don't want to draw attention to myself, but no. I'm happy to draw attention to Hank. No. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to embrace it even more than I have in the past. I Great. think it's a brilliant Fantastic. and very important thing. And now it's on the podcast. It's, it's going out into the we're world. Gonna, we're, we're starting it there. It's going to start here procedure. and it'll spread from here. Ripples in the pond. I love it. Hank. That's it. We're going to make it happen. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Thank you so much for giving us a, a bit of an insight. Oh, I know it was, it was short pleasure. and sweet, but a, a brilliant insight into the world yeah. of your world and career of sports injuries and foot and ankle Absolutely. injuries. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for chatting to You're us. You're welcome. It's great Thank to be you. here. Thank you. Pleasure.